Yesterday was the um, Fine Arts Festival, and um, for, for those of you who don't know what that is, Fine Arts is a ministry that um, helps develop um, students in their, their giftings, and so you can go there and you can compete in a number of different um, categories. Um, there's singing, and there's instruments, and there's art, and there's, man, there's a bunch of, a bunch of different things, and so... Um, once you go and you go and you, you go there and you compete and there's some there's some judges that sit there and you know they kind of mark down the good and the bad and the ugly and whatever and so um, so you go and um, I don't even know how many kids were there yesterday um, but um, we actually went up on Friday and we hung out and then on Saturday they had more competition and then they had a celebration service and so um, yeah so a couple of the youth went. Pastor Nate and Liz were excited. Pastor Nate and Liz went. Yeah, let's give them a hand. The, the kids, the students, and the and our our faithful uh, youth pastors. And um, so uh, uh, we had two students who participated. Um, my my son Bennett. He yeah. He is very artistic, and so he wrote a chapter in a book, and so that uh, was pretty cool. And, um, and then Faith Sampson, let's give her a hand. She, I don't know if you remember, was it last week? She sang a song a cappella, and um, so she sang as well. And um, praise the Lord, they both did a fantastic job. Bennett was uh, like 0. .6, 0. .5. He was super close to going to the next level of competition. He got an excellent. Can we give him a hand? Oh, yes. He did excellent. And Faith was actually invited to our national competition, so she got a superior with invitation. So we're, we're kind of excited. They left a little early, and we called them. And she's like, wait, hold on. Let me put this on speaker so my parents can hear. And so uh, that, was, that was really cool. So be in prayer um, for our students. It was really exciting to see all the kids come together yesterday and worship I think we're, you know, when I look at when I look at all these kids that are using their their gifts and talents, I, I guess it just gives me some peace of mind too, knowing that um, this generation that's coming up is gifted, and the Lord is moving among them. And uh, man, there were some of the presentations where, man, it was you could feel the spirit of the Lord move as they were as they were, and these were just young kids, and so it was really cool to see. You know, sometimes you think, oh, you know, I have to have a PhD and you know whatever, but Man, uh, God is just looking for, for open vessels and, and people, no matter what age, to use their gifts and talents to serve the Lord. And so, man, it was really encouraging yesterday to, to be there. I don't even know how many people were there. I was at Mount Hope in Lansing, a big church up there. Um, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So, um, okay, so I have a, a two-point message today. Simple, easy breezy, lemon squeezy. We'll be out, we'll be in and out in the next... Three hours. It'll be nice and quick. Just kidding. It'll be nice and quick. So um, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me real quick to Malachi chapter 1. We're going to read verses 6 through 11 real quick. Um, Where it says, A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I'm a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. It is your priest who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food at the altars. But you asked, how have we defiled you? 
by saying uh, that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to you. With such offerings uh, from your hands, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that one of you uh, would uh, shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. And I will accept no offering from my hands. My name, uh, from your hands, my name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations. God, please be with us this morning as we just delve into your word. I pray that you will. Uh, speak to us and give me clarity of thought and mind, Father. I pray that your word will come through me and will go out and it'll just reach hearts this morning. And may you reach us in, 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 in every single individual way. And God, what, I, I just pray whatever I preach that you will, uh, that you'll minister, Father, and that you'll be glorified and magnified, Father. And God, I pray that we will be um, uh, a, a people that that give our best and that we will be um, a people that, um, that, that just give our heart to you, God. We give our best and give our heart to you, Father. And may you be magnified and glorified, God. We ask these things in your holy name. So Malachi is in, obviously, it's in the Old Testament. It was the last book before the 400 years of silence. Um, so you think about something that's really important. You know, this is the last thing that, that the that God spoke before there was a bunch of silence. And so this is, I feel like this is a really important book, and it's a book that speaks, it's really about Malachi, which means messenger, so a messenger of God, who's going back and forth and asking big questions. Um, there are six, like, different dialogues back and forth between God and the people of Israel, and there's this, this kind of back and forth and back and forth. And um, to kind of give you an idea, this was about a, a hundred years after the wall had been built, and after Ezra had built the temple, and, you know, God had moved in some, we've been talking on Wednesday nights through the book of Nehemiah, and it's pretty crazy when you look at the book of Nehemiah, the different ways that God had moved in really, really some powerful ways, and some miraculous ways, and some supernatural ways. You know, the people had come together, and they'd built the wall, and they'd built it in, in the course of just two months. They just through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of God's provision, they were able to build this wall in a couple months. And once the wall was finished, then um, they, they actually um, uh, read the scripture and they were weeping. And you can read about this in the book of Nehemiah. They read the scripture and they were weeping and they were just moved mightily by God. They were just moved, their hearts were moved and they, were, they started, they started um, in fact, I think it's in chapter, I think it's like 11 or 12, it says that they, they actually... Um, grabbed sackcloth and ashes and put dirt on their heads and they confessed all their sins and they read the word of the, 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 the word of the Lord for like hours and then they worshiped the Lord for hours and so they just really understood that God had moved among them in a powerful and a miraculous and a crazy way and I don't know if anyone here has ever had God move in their life in a powerful way. Anyone here? Anyone? It's like, it's like you, 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 I mean, has anyone ever experienced God's provision? 
Have you ever had two nickels to rub together, barely two nickels to rub together, and you're waiting for payday, and, uh, and then the hot water tank goes out, and you get a leak in your roof, and you, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, the, the, the fridge goes out, the, the fence falls down, the car breaks down, and you're just like, I don't know how in the world I'm going to make it to payday, and this is, and have, have you ever experienced God, God's provision? Where, where, where somehow or another someone gave you a, a good Pentecostal blessing or someone uh, was able to, or, you, or you somehow you got a, like a bonus at work or, and, or something, somehow, some way, um, God provided for you. You don't even know how, but God provided for you. Anyone here this morning? A couple of you guys? Praise the Lord. You know, I don't know if you've ever experienced God being your protector before. Anyone experienced God? Like maybe, maybe, praise the Lord. Like, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe even kind of in a, in a, in a kind of a weird way. Like maybe you thought this guy was the guy for you and he was so handsome and cute and everything and, and it didn't work out. And then later you look back and you're like, oh my goodness, the Lord protected me. Anyone, anyone been there before? Is like, God has, has been your provider. He's been your protector or uh, I don't know if, you, if you've experienced where God has been your constant. You know? There's been storms. There's been trials. There's been tribulations. There's been hardships. There's been divorces. There's been a loss of job. There's been broken friendships. There's been broken relationships. There's been death. There's been the economy, there's been everything you can think of, and the Lord has been your constant. He's been your rock. He's been your fortress. He's been your ever-present help in time of trouble. Anyone here this morning? We're just like, yeah, that's, that's me. Well, look at the people of Israel, and God had been their provider. You look at the people of Israel, and God had been their protector. You look at the people of Israel... And God had been their constant. He had been their rock. He'd been their fortress. He'd been their ever-present help in time of trouble. He had met them in supernatural ways. He had um, helped them build the wall. He had led them out of captivity in Babylon. He had uh, provided for them in the wilderness uh, with manna every single day. He had, he had uh, protected them again and again and again and again and again. He'd done these miraculous things over and over and over again. He'd been their provider. He'd been their protector. He'd been their constant. He had been everything that they had needed to get to where they were at. And and a hundred years had passed since the wall had been finished. And they had lost their zeal for God. And they had become complacent. And they had fallen asleep spiritually. They had lost their fear of God. They had lost their respect of God. And it's interesting because when you look at Israel, it seems like it's, there's this pattern where, where they fear and respect him. And, and then they don't, and then they, and they fall away, and then they fear and respect him, and then they don't, and they fall away, and then they fear and respect him, and then they don't, and they fall it away. And I feel like that pattern is, is prevalent with us today, too, like, right? like, like God provides for us, and we're excited, and then another something happens, and we're, we're freaking out, and God protects us, and then it's like, it's like the, the same pattern with Israel, I feel like, we see with us today. And, and, and so 100 years had passed since the wall had been finished, and they'd lost their zeal for God, They'd become complacent. They'd become 
uh, spiritually sleeping, and, and, and really they'd come to this spot of spiritual apathy, which they kind of lost um, a lack, of, it was kind of like a lack of interest and a lack of uh, enthusiasm and a lack of concern for the things of God. And so, what it, and so, so it kind of asks this interesting question. If you go back to verse six, it's 6, it says, A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me? So the Lord's like, hey, listen, um, if, I, if I'm your father and if I'm your, your, your master, there, I, there, I don't see any honor and I don't see any respect. Uh, it, and he said, it's your priests that show contempt for my name. And, and, and they're like, what, like, how have we shown, again, it's this dialogue between, this dialogue between the people of Israel and with God. They're like, how have we shown contempt for your name? And if you don't know what the word contempt means, it, it means it's kind of like worthless, uh, deserving of scorn, disregard. I think the, the New King James says despise. In what way have we despised your name? Uh, and he said, by offering defiled food at my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? So talking back and forth, it's like you're showing contempt for my name. You are, are you're, well, how have we shown contempt for your name? And how have we despised your name? And uh, he said, you've done this because you're offering defiled food at the altar. Now, for some of you who might not know um, the, 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 the Bible very well, um, if you actually go to the book of Leviticus, you can see that there are actually five different types of offerings that are mentioned. And you can go there, and actually in the first five chapters, you can read about the, the, the five different types of offerings that are mentioned in the book of Leviticus. And these were commands that God gave to the people of Israel. And so in chapter 1, it speaks of burnt offerings. And actually, if you want to have a, you know, an interesting read, just go through and read some of the requirements for some of these offerings. Um, it's actually kind of interesting. In Leviticus chapter 1, he says, uh, uh, when he's speaking, he says, um, I want you to offer a male without spot or blemish. You're to bring it into the tent of meeting. You're to lay your hands on the head. You're to kill the bull before everyone and throw the blood against the altars. Kind of crazy, huh? Got the burnt offering. Um, In Leviticus chapter 2, it speaks of the grain offering. It says you take some grain, you you grind it into a fine flour, you pour oil on it, you pour frankincense into it, and you mix it up. So you have the burnt offering, you have the grain offering, you have the the peace offering in chapter 3 which, again, is the offering of an animal, either male or female, without spot or blemish, sacrificed on the altar. Again, there's this big thing about splattering the blood on the side of the altar. So you've got the burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering. The sin offering is mentioned in, Levit- in Leviticus chapter 4. And again, it talks about bringing an animal without spot or blemish. And then in chapter 5, it mentions the guilt offering. And it talks about bringing a ram without spot or or blemish, but really, uh, I say that to say that you can see this pattern throughout the book of Leviticus that this theme that when that when um, you're to bring your sacrifice, you're supposed to bring your best. You're supposed to bring your best, and you're supposed to bring your best because what God has done for you, you're to bring your best. Um, and bringing your best was the way of showing God um, both uh, the honor and the praise. You know, I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. They, they obviously weren't bringing their, their best. They were bringing the lame. They were bringing the sick. They were bringing the blind animals. Um, did you know, I feel like God still wants our best. Do you agree with me? 
No? Not sure? Do you think God wants our best? I mean, do you, think, do you really think God wants our best? Yes? I, I mean, I'm going to play the devil's advocate for a moment, okay? I mean, think about what these people were doing, okay? These total, they, I mean, they weren't totally godless heathens, okay? They weren't worshiping false gods. They weren't worshiping Baal or Asherah, right? They weren't um, bringing their children to sacrifice to these false gods. They weren't worshiping false gods. They, um, they, they were still going to the temple. That's cool, right? I mean, they, were going, they weren't skipping. They weren't skipping church. <laughs> uh, they, were, they, were, they, they were taking the time to go to the temple. They were kind of following what they were supposed to do, so that's good. So they weren't worshiping false gods. They weren't skipping temple. Um, and they were giving God something, weren't they? They were giving him something. They were giving him a little something. I struggle with this passage of scripture because I kind of, when I look at my own life, I wonder, am I giving... God, my best? Or am I someone that gives God my leftovers? Am I a person that that gives God the best of my time? Or am I someone that gives God my Sundays and my Wednesdays, maybe? Maybe I'll give him five minutes before I go to bed. Am I giving him my best? Am, 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 I, am I a person that's giving God my best? Like in, in some ways, man, I can, oh man, just to be transparent with you guys, I can, kind of, um, I can kind of understand the people of Israel here. Because sometimes I feel like, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I feel like I might go through the motions at times. You know, I, 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 I come and I do my thing and I get in my routine and the busyness of life and the chaos of life and the, the kids and the wife and the job and everything else. And I, I look inwardly and I'm like, man, am I, am I giving God my best? And it's weird because In the passage, he says, I would prefer for you to close the temple than to give him what you've been giving him. For me, it's like, man, I just, I I really want God to search my heart. I want him to examine my heart. And, And again, I have to ask myself, am I giving God my best? Am I giving him my best or am I giving him the rest? Am I, um, am I giving him a, a piece of me, uh, just a portion of me, or am I, am I giving him all of me? Am I living Sunday to Sunday or Wednesday to Wednesday? Am I living from sermon to sermon? Am I studying the scripture just to preach? Am I, like, am I giving God my best? Am I giving God my best? 
Are you giving God your best? Are you giving him more than just a portion of you? Are you giving him more than just a piece of you? Are you giving him more than five minutes? Are you giving him more than uh, an hour and ten minutes on Sunday? Are you giving God your best? Are you giving him your best? These people, man, they were, again, they, I feel like they were, man, in some ways they were, they were kind of, they were kind of like, if I, if I were to have someone who was, you know, doing these things, in some ways I'd be like, okay, like, you're not a, you're not a terrible person. You're, 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 you're not, you know, worshiping false gods and you're not, you're still going to the temple and you're still giving God something, but they weren't giving God their best. Question number one, or point number one, is that God wants our best. And point number two is this. If you're taking notes, I don't see anyone writing this down. Praise the Lord. Point number two, not only does God want our best, but I think God wants our heart. You know? Do you agree with me? Like, even if we give God our best, if we don't give God our heart, we, <laughs> we had this kid many years ago when we, we, uh, we, we were doing, we were starting up a youth ministry at a church um, up the street. And uh, praise the Lord, these kids were, were little hellions. They were insane. And we, we decided that, uh, that we were going to um, start a worship team. And so uh, we, had, uh, we had done this uh, outreach and we got all these crazy kids in. And we're like, you know, now that we have all these kids, we're going to start a worship team. And uh, so there was this kid that um, he was Mr. Cool. He was, he was the coolest. He, um, you know, he was on the swim team, and he had cool hair. And I thought, you know what? If I can get this guy on the worship team, and if he plays an instrument, I'm going to grow this youth ministry one way or another because all the ladies are going to come in just to see this kid play. And so uh, we talked to him, and lo and behold, he was a drummer. I was like, praise the Lord. Let's give, it a, hand, give a hand for our drummers. Yeah, he's a drummer. So I'm like, praise the Lord. He's a drummer, yes. And so I talked to this kid, and he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I drum. He's like, I'm a drummer. I'm a really good drummer. He's like, I play in school. He's like, I, I play the kit. I'm super good. I'm, I'm the man. I'm like, sweet. I'm like, perfect. We want you on the worship team, man. He's like, sweet. He's like, I totally play. He's like, but, but listen, I got to bring my own kit because the kit at the church just isn't, it isn't, what I, isn't what I need, isn't what I want. He's like, I need my own kit. I'm like, okay, sweet. I was like, it's a little out of the way, but me being young and foolish and silly as a youth pastor, I'm like, I'll come and pick you up before church on Wednesday nights, and um, I'll, we'll pick up your kit. We'll bring it to the church. We'll set up the kit. We'll do worship team practice, and then, you know, so. And then I, I was also, like, running the bus ministry. I, like, looking back, I'm like, what was I doing? I was picking up kids, doing the bus ministry, preaching, setting up, tearing down. I was, man, pray, I, needed, I needed an Aaron and her, amen? And so <laughs> I'm like, oh, my so uh, we go. I, we pick him up, and we he, he come. We come together, and he's he he's like setting up his set, and tink 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 tink. And I'm like, man, this is going to be glorious. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fantastic. This kid is just the best, and uh, his hair is suave, cool, whatever. And um, so, <laughs> so the first practice, he doesn't he doesn't play at all. He just sits there and looks at me, and I'm like, okay, what's going on, man? I'm like, okay, so 
And, and, and so he's like, I'm just waiting for the act. He's like, I don't want to wear myself out. I'm just waiting for the actual, waiting for the actual set, man. I'm like, okay, cool. So we play through the whole set. He did not, uh, he was just like a tink, tink, tink. I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, is this kid just messing with me? And <laughs> so, so after the worship was done, um, he said, all right, guys, come on over here. And he, he proceeded to give a, like a long drum solo with all the, all the little razzles and dazzles. And, and so I thought, you know what, well, maybe ne-, I'm like, well, maybe he just needed a break in. So the next week, I do the same thing. I pick him up. We bring him to church. He sets up a set. Doesn't play at all. Again, at the very end of the set, he says, all right, guys, it's ready for the real show to begin. And he'd start jamming again. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, Something, <laughs> something's, what, something's off with this kid. And so um, the more that I talked to him, the more that I realized that, man, his heart was not for worship. His heart was for performance. And he, his heart was for, he wanted to be the center of attention. And he wanted to, he didn't, like when he was playing, he didn't want anyone else to play because he wanted everyone to see his talents and his skills and his abilities and his greatness and his cool hair and his nice shoes and whatever. And um, so he, w- he, was, he was coming to church. He was coming to practice. He was at the right place. And he was at the, at the right time. I would even say in some odd, bizarre way, he was even kind of using his gifts. God didn't have his heart. God didn't have his heart. And I think when it comes to worship, God wants our best. But God also wants our heart, you know? He wants our heart. We can have all the talent in the world. We can have all the skills in the world. We can have all the, the good looks in the world. But if, if, if God doesn't have your heart, these were people that were priests. Like, they had to go through some training to be priests. They had to be from a specific tribe to be priests. They had to uh, uh, be from a certain, you know, uh, uh, tribe. They had, to, they had to be a male without defect to be a priest. They were the right people at the right time. God had moved in power. God had moved in authority. But they weren't giving God their best and they weren't giving God their heart. God wants your best. And God wants your heart this morning, you know? Some of you might say, listen, Pastor Evan, this is very Old Testament. And I don't like the Old Testament. I am a New Testament person. Because the Old Testament is old and the New Testament is new. And I'm always for the new wine and the new wineskins and the new covenant. And this is just silly. This is just, I don't understand it, Pastor Evan. This is crazy. I don't care about Malachi and these priests and these Leviticus and these, you know, I don't care about the five different types of offerings. In Romans chapter 12, it says, it says, Therefore, brothers... And sisters, I urge you, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true 
and proper worship. Let me read that verse again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Then he goes on to say, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, his perfect will. Listen, we might not be a people that come together and um, kill a bull and then take the blood and throw it on the side of the altar. We might not be doing that anymore. We might not be sacrificing lambs and goats and rams and all that sort of thing. That was the old covenant. But listen, it's changed now. It says, now listen, listen, it's not the lamb anymore. That's this, but it says, but there, in view, therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Listen, God wants us to bring our best and God wants us to bring our heart. He wants us to bring our best and he wants us to bring our heart. And as the worship team starts strumming and singing this song one last time, I just want you to reflect inwardly And look at what you've been bringing to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. And ask yourself, am I bringing God my best? Am I bringing him my best? And am I bringing him my heart?